When I was 10 years old, uh, my family decided to venture forth from our tiny rural town in, in Indiana of about 4,000 people to vacation with another family in the big city of Indianapolis. We stayed at this very fancy hotel, and this hotel somehow, at least in my child's imagination, it had a pool slash water park in the middle of it somehow. Reconstruction, reconstructing it as an adult is complicated. That's how I remember it. And we had a lovely time um, until it came time to check out with suitcases stacked and lots of stress happening. We realized that we didn't know where my five-year-old sister was. And us being simple country people, we assume the city is where people get kidnapped. And so we ran to the desk and announced that my sister had been kidnapped and that we were very afraid and we didn't know where she was and then proceeded the 10 probably most terrifying minutes of my childhood looking for my sister until, of course, we found her hiding behind a vending machine. Why? I still don't fully understand. Uh, I think she just decided to take her revenge instead of throwing a public fit. She couldn't get somebody's attention. She thought she would punish us by disappearing. All that to say, you don't have to be a parent to understand the spine-straightening panic that Mary and Joseph must have undergone If your dogs have ever gotten loose, (laughs) same feeling. Um, You don't have to be a parent to have had these moments in which you realize that not only is something wrong, but something has been wrong, and that you're just now realizing it, and this wrongness has now been running rampant out there without you knowing about it for who knows how long. And it wasn't actually until I read the story this, this time around that I noticed The detail that Mary and Joseph looked for Jesus for three days. Poor Mary and Joseph. Can you imagine? Three days. Of course, there is plenty of symbolic significance in the mention of three days. Jesus being buried in the heart of Jerusalem for three days. Not being able to be found by anybody when in the end he was safe in the heart of his father all along. We can see the typological way to read this story. But the emotional, the surface level way of reading this story is terrifying. Poor Mary and Joseph. Can you imagine? I think there is underneath the surface level emotional way of reading that story and maybe above the kind of symbolic typological reading of this story, there is something Else, A third thing happening in this story that I'd like to mention and talk about for a few minutes. Something that has to do with family. Something that has to do with belonging. Something that has to do with identity. There's more going on than just that Mary and Joseph are relatable people like you and me in the world. This interaction towards the end where Mary justifiably says... Jesus, what are you doing, man? Your father and I were searching for you. 
with great anxiety. And Jesus comes back showing early signs of adolescent, um, I don't know, independence with the biblical equivalent of saying to Joseph, you're not my real dad. (laughs) Poor Joseph. Go to your room, child. But that is the the heartaching part. We don't know if Joseph took offense. We don't know if Jesus meant it, but Luke wrote it so those two words are right there next to each other. Your father and I were searching for you with great anxiety. Did you not know that I would be in my real father's house? It hurts. That hurts. This is something that All parents, I'm sure, understand this feedback loop of parenting, this lesson that we must learn over and over again, the difficulty of surrendering your children to the power of others. Some of us have to do this right away. We had to do it right away. We spent the first week of Lawrence's life in the ICU, and that was the worst five days of my life. But it was learning a lesson right out of the gate of saying part of the vocation, part of the responsibility of parenting is surrendering surrendering your child to the power of others. We do this every time we drop a child off at daycare. I felt this way with my dogs, y'all. Once I paid an extra fee so that I could have a camera to see my dogs at the border while we were on vacation in Europe. I'm a crazy person. But this is a normal human emotion. It's a normal part of parenting. It's a normal part of being a human being. We have to surrender control. And it's particularly hard when we have to surrender control, surrender power, surrender influence over those we're entrusted to care for. But that seems to be part of what's happening in this story of Jesus, because it's not just a practical, oh, Jesus forgot to tell us that he was going to stay back. Jesus is making a substantive statement to his parents about which communities actually hold influence in his life. This is what happens in puberty. (laughs) You start to differentiate yourself from your family of origin in ever so slight and subtle ways. And this is a dramatic instance of that. Jesus is saying, did you not know that I would be in my own father's house? Jesus is saying, actually, this other community has some claim on my life, has some substantive influence on my life, has some claim on where and to whom I belong to. And of course, Most of us, parents, come to the place where we realize that that is a good thing, as hard as it is to accept. And this thing that is hard for us to accept, the thing that I really want to hold up for us today, this natural thing that is hard for us to accept, the inverse of that is something that is very beautiful about being part of the church. When we 
prepare when Mother Mary and I prepare families for baptism, especially when we're preparing families with kids that are old enough for us to be able to talk to them. (laughs) One of the things I say to them always is I say one of the things that's happening in baptism is that you're being given a new family, a second family, not a family that replaces the family that you already have, but you are being given a new and second family that's Different in some ways than the family you already have, but similar in other ways to the family that you have. This is a place where you have other people that you get to call brother and sister. This is actually one of the things that made Christians distinctly weird in the early church. There's actually, you can find, we have a few uh, pieces of old, old documents that Roman authorities Um, wrote to one another when they were trying to understand who this new sect of people were that called themselves Christians. And the Roman authorities over and over again accuse Christians of incest because they see people they knew to be husband and wife now calling one another brother and sister. (laughs) It is a distinct part of what the church, the kind of community the church creates in Christ as it creates sibling relationships. It gives you other people that you call brother and sister. Then, of course, the church began to call its leaders fathers and mothers. That's why we still call priests and clergy fathers and mothers. That there is something about being part of this community that gives you a different family. Another thing I say to the kids in baptism prep is I say, you could go to almost any other city in the world and you could find people there who are part of this second special family. Actually, you could get in a time machine and you could go anywhere 2,000 years into the past and you could find people who you could call brother and sister. If you're ever lost in space, if you're ever lost in time, You could do worse than going to knock on the doors of your local church and asking for help from people who you can rightfully call brothers and sisters. This family is similar to the families that you come from in that you don't get to choose who's a part of them. It's the holidays. We're all experiencing a little bit of this right now, right? You don't get to choose who's in your family. And some people in your family you might find to be a little annoying on occasion. I'm not saying that any of you find any of the rest of you annoying. But in theory, there could be other people in this room that you find to be a little bit annoying. A difference between this family and your family is anybody who wants to is allowed to be in this one. Anybody who wants to is allowed to be part of this family. The church is like an island of misfit toys. We're all weird. We're just trying to be a little bit more honest about it. We're trying to create a place in which anybody who wants to can belong. It's actually a Christian discipline to be able to understand that I don't have to like you. I don't even have to enjoy being around you to understand you as a brother 
or a sister, as someone who I am in relationship with, whether I like it or not. This is why we take really seriously in church, why we take really seriously here at St. Mark's the formation of young children. When we baptize kids after the families make their promises, we ask the congregation, will you witnessing these vows, will all of you witnessing these vows do what you can to support these persons, do everything that you can to support these persons in their life in Christ? What I say to parents is that's the church promising to you that we're going to help you raise your children. That the church is one of those places that we hope you come to trust to surrender power, to surrender control, which, of course, is why it makes it all the more egregious, all the more terrible when the church fails in that task. But that's why we take this place seriously. I don't know where you see yourself in this story. Maybe, maybe you're Mary and Joseph, and you find it a daily struggle to release control, to surrender power over those you hold influence and responsibility for. Maybe you're Jesus. Maybe you're in a phase in your life in which you are beginning to understand yourself as belonging more deeply, belonging more truly in this community. We're not all blessed with healthy, flourishing families of origin. You know the Philip Larkin poem? I'll give you the censored version of the first few lines. They screw you up, your mom and dad. They may not mean to, but they do. They fill you with the faults they had and add some others just for you. (laughs) Good poem for the holidays. Especially if you brought your parents to church today. We're not all blessed with healthy, flourishing families of origin. Even the best of us don't always find those relationships to be easy. Maybe you're coming into a place of recognizing that you more truly and more deeply belong here. That is the fundamental lesson, I think, of this passage. The hard one for, for us to understand, perhaps, is that Jesus is saying to his parents, thank you so much, but actually I really do more deeply, more truly belong in my Father's house than I do in yours. And that's just true. And that's just true for all of us. That is another differentiating characteristic of this family from your family of origin, is that this family called the church is one whose primary mission is to make you into a saint, to clean sinners into saints, to make you into the most fully human, most fully alive, most true version of yourself there can possibly be. This is a family that is about you flourishing, It's why we never use last names when we're baptizing people. You present somebody with their first name for baptism because the church doesn't really care what your last name is. (laughs) Maybe you don't have children. Maybe it's harder to see yourself in this story. But again... 
That's one of the beautiful things about being part of the church. As a part of the church, even if you don't have your own biological children, you still have an opportunity to share in the responsibility of parenting. We got plenty of kids in this place. We got empty slots on the godly play volunteer rota. Maybe you're an only child. Maybe you've always wished to have biological brothers and sisters. Well, guess what? You're surrounded by brothers and sisters here this morning. We all have complicated relationships with our families of origin, even at the best of times. And this story is just inviting us to come and play and however those however you see these families overlapping. It doesn't have to be difficult. The true story, if it's true that I as an individual more truly and fully belong in the body of Christ than I do my family of origin, it's also true that my entire family of origin more deeply and more truly belongs in the body of Christ. than they do to their biological families that they come from. But when those things don't line up, it's not always easy. This is the family to which we truly belong. It's the family that offers us new life, and the family that offers us food for the journey. I've reached my time limit. Amen.